1: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Narrative Podcast. I'm your host, Hall Z. Allen. The Narrative Podcast is the home of original people. Peace, respirosity, and positive frames of reference. I am your host, Hall Z. Allen. Welcome all my narrators. Welcome everybody. New, newly tuning in to the podcast. I'm familiar with the platform, but you will be informed momentarily. So happy Tuesday, everybody! I just know we're being productive out there and winning out there, like the kings and queens we are, and the guys and goddesses that we are. Um. So yeah. I'm here live today on a Tuesday on my platform, The Narrative Podcast, and before diving into my content, I have to bring all the uh, new people that are not familiar with my platform up to speed, give you a brief walkthrough and overview of how uh, my podcast works, um, you know, and what it's all about. So here we go, diving in. Let's start at the top, tippy. Um, The narrative, narrative podcast. Why did I name it that? Because the uh, media weaves a false narrative about original people and original culture. So what I want to do do to uh, to combat that uh, misrepresentation is to design a platform where I'm playing up our strengths and highlighting all our success and accomplishments as a people. So, yeah, as a matter of fact, the tagline for my podcast is the Narrative Podcast, changing the narrative one episode at a time. How do I change the uh, narrative? By providing positive frames of reference. And uh, that's entirely what this podcast is about, providing positive frames and reference about our people and our culture. Um, the ultimate takeaway I want listeners to gain from this content that I share, if nothing else, is how important it is to share positive content on your uh, platforms. We're living in the digital age. Um, the information sharing age, and, um, this is how information is gathered, and this is how knowledge is shared. So, here's the skinny. So, basically, the powers that be, um, use the media to intentionally misrepresent our people for profit, and to help, um sustain the higher echelon aka dominant society, aka white people to sustain them, keep their uh, socio-economic stronghold over all resources and uh, absolve them from all crimes committed by them, from the past and to basically make them look, make their reputations look unsullied and pure by defiling and dirtying uh, everybody else's reputation. Uh, el- everyone else's reputation. And out of all the people they do it to, they enjoy doing it to, uh, to our people the most because they're the most um, frightened of our people they don't want us to uh, retake our rightful place, and mostly, at the core of their very fear, at the at the essence, like when you strip back the onion layers, they're the most most afraid if we finally stop fighting each other, finally uh, take some time and start learning about our uh, rich ancestry and history that we would um, dethrone them and do to them what they did to us. But their fear isn't, you know, legitimate because that's not even in our nature as a people. We're loving, kind people by nature. Um, We are teachers by nature. We're lovers by nature. So they're, you know, creating all these negative stereotypes and stigmas about our people through their own insecure fears and um, primal urges and desires to conquer. But I digress. Um, So yeah, getting back to why it's important to share positive content, it's important especially about our people and our culture, because like I said, we're living in this digital age. We use um, these devices and um, forms of media to tell or narrate our own personal stories. So, basically, the, that's how, you know how the media works. Um, the media is an evil, wicked organization, but in the same breath, they're a business. And so, as a business, the first rule of business is supply and demand. So, they're doing their statistical research online noticing trends, and what people seem to be gravitating to, and what they appear to be watching and downloading. And so they're judging us as a people based on you know what we're posting online, what we're downloading, what we're clicking on. And they're creating content based upon their statistical research. So statistically they believe, you know, these images that they circulate about our people and our culture for, you know, product placement, to advertise products, to um you know, sell these horrible movies, depicting our people in a negative light. Sell these horrible television shows depicting our people in a negative light because they're using all the data they collect and they assume from the data they collect that's how, you know, we're supposed to be portrayed and represented across, you know, all platforms. And so, like I said, of course, they give people outside of our culture negative frames of reference about our people and our culture. So, you know, how crazy are we for playing into the negative stereotypes and stigmas that they already place over us by uh, posting gang culture, gun culture, um, you know, thought culture, pimp culture, whore culture, you know, bullying culture, fear culture, um, ignorance, uh, whatever. You know, all these negative stereotypes and stigmas that we post online about us, um, thinking it's funny. We do it for uh, you know, stuffs and gigs. I try not to curse on my platform, but you know, we just we do it not, you know, cognitively thinking how it's going to look. How it's going to be perceived when we post it online and put it back into the universe. So we should be um, utilizing our platforms wisely and always, you know, posting positivity about our people and our culture. So like, this is primarily what, you know, I do on my platform and with the uh, with the intention to um, inspire and motivate everybody else to do the same. We should be posting uh, stories about leadership, entrepreneurship, unity, um, you know, creative problem solving, uh, coming together as a community, family structure, just basically sharing the opposite of what the media shares about our people in our culture because we know what they're sharing is in false and inaccurate. So it's not about caring about what people outside of our culture, you know, think about us. We're not, you know, it's not about looking for validation from people outside of our culture. This is like telling our story correctly. If you're going to tell our story right, if you're going to tell our story at all, tell our story correctly. This is what this entire, you know, podcast is dedicated to, um, telling our story correctly, you know. Now, some nuances about my podcast. Um, First and foremost, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess I can start there. So first and foremost, I call my listening audience my narrators, and I think I already told you why I call my listening audience my narrators. Uh, Basically, you know, we're living in this digital age and we have the unique opportunity to tell or narrate our stories online. So I think I already said that, covered that. Uh, Second, I refer to our people on my platform as original people as opposed to black. Um, and the reason for that is because I believe original um, describes us better as a people than the word black. I believe original is more inclusive because there's many different types of us. We got all kinds of land masses separating us. We have different ideologies and belief systems and uh, flesh tones and Just all kinds of stuff dividing us and separating us as a people. But the one common thing, the common denominator that we have binding us all together is that we are our original people. Meaning, we were and are the first people um, in creation. Before anything existed on this planet, we did. Before there it was anything, before anything that was, was, we were. We were already here, thriving and existing on all corners of the globe. We originated every civilization on the planet. Not only that, we can all trace our lineage back to Africa. Um, and then the sidebar, I got to keep pointing out, contrary to all popular belief, we did not get to all these different corners of the globe via slavery especially, you know when we're we're speaking about the Americas so slavery actually did happen, it was horrendous, it was brutal but um, all of us didn't come on slave boats the majority of us was like already indigenously located here in the Americas Uh, We was already indigenously located in, you know, parts of Asia, parts of Europe, parts of Australia, um, parts of the UK, wherever, you know, like even places like Russia, we was already there. But I digress. So, yeah, I just think, um, you know, original better, you know, describes us as a people. Um, Primarily, my uh, reasoning for that is, you know, the dictionary definitions of the word black. Um, That's the only color in the color spectrum. In the uh, dictionary that denotes origin, when you go look up the color black, you will see, you know, all these negative words and negative example sentences uh, describing how to use the word, the, the color black, you know, but before it goes to all that, they go out of their way to, you know, link, you know, origin to it. they say like, black, you know, people with dark pigmentation or dark-skinned people originating from Africa. And then they'll have all these different little negative words and example sentences associated with the color black. And, you know, a sidebar, you know, people aren't black. There's no such thing as, na- you know, a nationality is not black, but that's, you know, nationality is linked to that. That's the only color in the color spectrum linked to that color. Um, so, you know, there's no nationality linked to yellow. There's no nationality linked to red. People are nationality linked to, like, red or yellow or brown, just only black. And the, and again, all the um, descriptive, uh, you know, words, all these ample sentences, they're all negative, dirty, sullen, um, chaotic, you know, dismal, bleak, depressed, all that is linked to the color black. But on the inverse, again, with original, you know, there are no, there's no negative connotation surrounding the word original. It's all positive. You know, what the word original usually hints at the first, and in many cases the best. And like I said, you know, we, was, we were and are the original man and woman of this planet. Uh, we pretty much invented everything or originated everything You know, every modern day convenience that we have now was originated by us. We originated education. We originated the written spoken, you know, word. We originated astronomy, astrology, uh, science, mathematics, uh, biology, alchemy, chemistry. Um, agriculture, horticulture, philosophy, medicine, Everything came from us, original. And that's why I try to, you know, try my very best to refer to our people as original, as opposed to black. If you're comfortable referring to yourself as black, calling yourself black, black is beautiful, all that, that's fine, that's fine. Go right on ahead, I'm not trying to debate with nobody, I'm not trying to, you know, hop in no intellectual arena with nobody, this is just like, you know, just a preference. I prefer to refer to our people as original people as opposed to black on my platform. You can refer to yourself as black on your platform if you want to. But I was just telling you why I do it. Sorry for that very long pause. I was just like getting myself adjusted and comfortable. Just about to dive into this content. So a few more misnomers about my platform. Um, I try to make all my content time sensitive. Uh, The reason why I do that, because I don't want to just rant with no uh, objective. I want my uh, topics to be very clear and concise. I want all my content to be cohesive and flow. I don't want to just be, you know, eating up all your time, all my time, talking in circles and not really, you know, covering anything, just talking off both sides of my rear. Like, so, like, all the content I want to share on here is, like, digestible. You won't have to clear your entire schedule. To catch up on the episode of the narrative podcast, I also want to accommodate all, you know, um, intellectual um, learning, (laughs) intellectual uh, learning stages, like whatever stage of learning that you're at, I want to accommodate. So basically, I don't want to shoot way over people's heads, but then I also don't want to dumb myself down. I want to be like right there in the middle, putting the knowledge out, and you know, just basically making it plain for everybody. So everybody can, you know, feel included with my content. And then lastly, I cater to our people, you know, every, anybody from any walk of life is more than welcome to listen to my podcast, but just know all the content on here is for my people, original people. So, I'm like, like, pretty much all my content, I'm speaking directly to us from our perspective, through our lens, because the media focus, the, focuses their lens so negatively. And obscurely and, um, you know, one dimensionally about our people and our culture. So, you know, on this platform, I'm focusing on, you know, our people through our eyes in a positive way. All right. It's the bad thing about a uh, <laughs> audio platform. Just everything makes so much noise. Everything got an echo. All right, I think I pretty much covered all my bases. Letting you know, you know, what the podcast is all about. Um, I'm gonna dive right into the content. So. First of all, this is a live edition of the Narrative Podcast. And on my uh, live editions, what I do is I share articles, positive articles about our people. And the reason I do that is to provide a positive frame of reference about our people and our culture. And then after I'm done with the articles... um, I usually uh, deliver some commentary on current events or a current event, something that happened around the world or with within our community. And the reason why I do that is basically to control the narrative because when the story breaks, you know, the media, of course, I already told you how they are. They go out of their way to make it seem and look uh worse than what it really is and go out of the way to, you know, make us look negative. Um, So basically, when I do commentary, I'm basically um, controlling.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And there it's,
1: you know, putting it uh, in perspective from our perspective, like how it really is versus how they show it, show the rest of the world how it is. <laughs> so... Hope that makes sense, and diving on into the content. All right, first article of the evening here on the Narrative Podcast. The headline reads, Black woman from Florida turns 103 years old, says she rarely eats out. And the sister's name is... Theodora Waters, she's from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, her birthday was on June, it didn't say what day, um, she also attributes her health to surrounding herself with good people, and that's a for show right on, you know, everybody says you've got to have a good support system, that's just like a common law of nature, uh, frequency vibration if you got to go where you feel love Re- you know you got to walk in love you attract love and when you go where you feel love you elevate and always you know be leveling up in life you sit around people and secretly you know talking about you behind your back backstabbing you or like worse being phony in your face, you know, giving you fake, fake love and fake support, you know, that'll bring you down, too. That'll wake you down, too. But, um, yeah, I also concur with her about that eating out stuff like me. Even before the pandemic, I was always very skeptical about going out to eat, and especially since I've obtained you know, my culinary arts degree and been working in kitchens and have seen, you know, some nasty stuff. Like, I very rarely eat out, you know, myself. Like, I try to prepare all my uh, meals by my own hand. Like, I got to know you, know you for you to, like, cook for me. I don't just be eating everybody's food. I don't be going to restaurants. Like, you know... And not only that, you know, you know, food has a vibration too. Like um, people cook with uh, their emotions; their emotions come out of their dish. So when the food's busting, busting, you know, they was back in that kitchen happy. When it's like yucky, somebody was probably depressed cooking, like um, super spicy stuff. Like the legend goes, you know, for the uh, angry chicken, how that was birthed. Um, The customer went in and was very rude and disrespectful. And the uh, person preparing the food went and found the hottest spices they can, they could, had available. And like put it all on their chicken, you know. And they ate it and ended up liking it. Cause they had a kind of a high spice tolerance, but, you know, that's how a lot of dishes are born too, through emotions. But, the point was before I went <laughs> veered off pudding is like, just be careful about who you, you know, be careful about, you know, who you, you're, you're, uh, eating your meals from. You know, that fast food going out to eat and just like, people in general, like going over people's house eating. Like if the love ain't there, if they like, you know what I'm saying? If they ain't receptive towards you, I'm not eating it. Like if I don't feel welcome, I'm not going over your house eating somewhere I don't feel welcome. So I'm I'm like, you know, I feel it when she said one of her tips to a, a long healthy life is rarely, going out to eat. That's that's all I was saying before I went down that big long rabbit hole about food. But um anyway, on to the next article. Next article on the narrative podcast. The headline reads Dad and daughter open newest black owned coffee shop. In Chicago, uh, the father's name is Robbie Wilson, and his daughter's name is Destiny. The name of the coffee shop is called Essentials Coffee Cafe. Uh, Robbie invested sixty-five thousand dollars of his own money. Um, his daughter Destiny works at a, Was working at a at a. Uh, West Side Health Authority in Chicago, um Robbie has gone on to say all those vacant buildings were saying to him there's not a whole lot of money circulating in the community. So when he opened that coffee shop, you know, that was his initiative to try to, you know, create job opportunities and um uh, Revenue, circulate revenue in the community, having somewhere people can go spend their money at. And then um, his intention is to, like, allocate the funds from his business to, you know, things that the uh, neighborhood could potentially need. So, you know, that's a classic example of uh, us doing for self. Um, just one second. Garden, learn it. Okay. All right, next article on the narrative podcast, the headline reads, Man Finally Graduates After 17 Years of College. Before you laugh, and thinking he didn't graduate college because he's not smart, um, the brother's name is Terrell Ian Parker. Um, he's an army officer, so the, basically the reason why he couldn't graduate on time because, you know, as like every semester, you know, he was seeming to get emplo- uh, deployed somewhere. And so he would have to stop, you know, start for six months, stop for six months. And so, you know, it was like that when you're, he, basically he was on active duty And whenever he was on active duty, he was having, like, life happen, um, family responsibilities, jobs. um, But he stuck with it, and he ended up graduating, getting his degree. Uh, I think he had put a post on LinkedIn quoting... uh, um, What's the guy's name that supposedly freed us? Uh, Abe Lincoln. Uh, let me see what he said. Abe Lincoln quote. I don't know, something about crawling or walking, something, one of those quotes he had put on his LinkedIn. I was trying to find it. I might find it by the end of the segment, but he basically had quoted Abe Lincoln on his um, LinkedIn after he graduated. Um, So on to the next article here on the Narrative Podcast. Next article. The headline reads: Black man who tried to kill her black mom. Excuse me, I said man, black mom who tried to kill her son's killer launches nonprofit to help women heal from traumatic experiences. Um, and the sister's name is Tracy McKinney. Um, And she is from Chicago, Illinois. Um, So basically what sent her to the edge is her son got murdered. Obviously, and the person that murdered her son uh, was a close um, acquaintance of her son. So like went to the same school, uh, they ran in the same circle. And uh, like people in the neighborhood knew that person did it. Like, it was just like common knowledge in the neighborhood that that person did it. And then, not only that, here's what sent over the edge. He was, um, bragging, being braggadocious about killing her son and brag in the neighborhood and on social media. He is making social media posts about killing her son. So, you know, that takes really true Um, emotional intelligence and restraints and connecting with the higher power because it was through that tragedy.
0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: At birth, um, some positivity. So she had to go to a sunken, dark place to manifest some light. Um, She created a nonprofit organization called... uh, Ooh, since I cannot read my own uh, handwriting. I think it's called Circles Foundation. Let me see. Double check because I don't want to put out false information. Yeah, I think it's just called Circles Foundation. not it mm-hmm. sorry y'all taking all uh, I'm just trying to find it okay the circle's foundation because it was two of them one of them was just Circles Foundation. Her organization is called The Circle Foundation. The Circles Foundation. Okay, so we go to her site. You see a picture of her and she got her initiative as a mother of business Woman, board certified credit credit consultant, author, and life coach. She done did a lot. Her son's death really inspired her to do a lot of things. And she, she's a nice looking sister. I said it. Put together, she's put together kind of nice. Oh, uh, this is her shop. Is this her organization? Let me see. Okay, The Circles Foundation. Alright. That was on her, her, her home page. Her store page. Okay. And then go about. Pam. Okay, Circles Foundation is all is all about creating maximum impacts. It's time to restore hope and unity. So they got mentorship programs and life skills workshops. creating change in troubled communities. Okay, here's the mission statement. That's what I was looking for. Our mission statement is to uplift and encourage youth, young adults by nurturing personal growth and development from adolescence into adulthood and their motto is, it's okay to fall as long as you never give up. So her vision is to build self-esteem by spreading love and being an inspiration to the youth, and young adults by connecting with communities through outreach programs, such as addressing gun violence, mentorship programs, uh, women and men empowerment, self-confident classes, building and uplifting with structural workshops and seminars, concerts, clothing, food, food drives, and more. So that's very positive. So join me in giving a warm narrative podcast round of applause to Miss Tracy McKennedy and the Circles program. And I forgot to do it for the last two articles that I shared, too. I'm kind of off today. trying to find all the articles that I just did. All right. Mm, so. Well, I, did, I was doing like this. So join me in the warm narrative podcast round of applause for the uh, previous articles I shared before I shared Mrs. Uh, Tracy's story. Right on, one good, right on, one right on, What oh, what oh, what oh, what oh, testing, testing, okay, still here. Uh, I don't know how that happened. All right. Where are we at? All right, next article here on the Narrative Podcast. The headline reads DC man who lived in a tent for two years, just graduated valedictorian, and is off to college. So, the young man's name is Michael Jeffrey, and his story is tragic. Um, Basically, he was working two jobs amidst the uh, pandemic, right when the pandemic hit. I'm guessing um, he was away from home. You know, many people in college or uh, high school on their senior year end up getting their own place. Um, His story really didn't say like, specifically how he ended up homeless he just said like he lost both jobs I'm, I'm still like wondering why the option to uh, go home back home wasn't on the table if he was graduating high school but um, nevertheless um, he ended up homeless living under a bridge and then, of course, you know, why is he going to high school? That's kind of hard when you're without home because you gotta, you know, you gotta keep that hygiene up. That would be the biggest obstacle. But then he might have just been like waiting until he got to school and going right to the showers in the gym. He might have been doing that. But, um, yeah. All right. Down to the nitty gritty now the very last article of the evening here on the Narrative Podcast. The headline reads, Girls with... I think it is. <laughs> I be losing my place sometimes. Girls win 13,000 to, uh thirteen thousand dollars to buy fresh to bring fresh produce to food desert um, and this is a story about uh, some young ladies that attended a uh, the New Song Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. They're all in eighth grade. And um, the girls are Rihanna Wilson, age 13, Samaj Chestnut, age 14, and Logan Reynolds, age 13. Um, basically, so what it was, it was a nonprofit organization, like a nonprofit version of Shark Tank. And they go before the nonprofit and, like, pitch ideas of how to utilize, you know, the um, nonprofit money to, you know, uplift or uh, do some type their community or do some type of uh, outreach program. So these young ladies elected to um, use the money to buy produce in uh, their neighborhood in Baltimore, Maryland. And as you know, or you should know, if you're an original man or original woman, that most um, original people neighborhoods have food deserts. And when there are food deserts, there's high crime. And what that's from is lack of nutrition, lack of nutrients, lack of sleep. Um, Because in these Places with food deserts, which you have is uh, liquor stores and fast food places. And these fast food places, you know, every item has like 10 to 20 ingredients, all unnatural, all un- inorganic materials. And in these, um, you know, convenience stores and bodegas, they have these processed foods that are usually out of date, close to spoilage, stale, and non-nutritional. Have no nutritional, little to no nutritional value whatsoever. But, um, Thank goodness they had the uh, fortitude at that early of an age to realize that their people needed uh, proper nutrition and decided to, you know, use that funding for uh, fresh produce. So join me in too, giving a warm narrative podcast round of applause to these young ladies all the articles for this evening. Thanks for being patient until the end. I know I was kind of all over the place with them. I didn't do a really good job at organizing my notes today. I kind of, just like I said many times for uh, people to listen to me on a regular basis when I come across these articles, I kind of like do a screenshot and then I write my bulleted points and then um, share them on my platform. Put these positive stories into the universe with the intention on inspiring and motivating anybody that has the time to listen to them. It's because, like I said, the media goes out of their way to misrepresent our people and to, you know, paint us in a negative light. Um, hearing positive news is super rare like we're constantly being being bombarded with negativity, um, constantly being shown images of of us living in depravity, living in lack. Um, They're constantly showing us in violence or being carted off to jail or carted off to the morgue. Never, never no stories about leadership, Never any stories about love, caring, the human spirit. Never when it comes to our people. So that's why I share these articles. All right, so what's going on on these streets out here? There's a whole lot going on, a whole lot of news. I'm not going to tackle every single article or every single current event. I really really actually just going to focus on one big thing that uh, happened in the news recently, and I'm going to attack a whole lot of points and subpoints about this one thing because it's you know this one thing is kind of a microcosm of our community and i think it needs to be addressed and talk of, talked about you know it's definitely a teachable moment and like you got onion layers to it and i'm gonna try to dissect all the onion layers Um, involving this particular instance that happened just recently. So, um, what's trending in the news is rapper, female artist, Cardi B. She um, defended herself uh, because a fan took him through I believe, some bottled water at her, a bottle of water at her during a concert, and um, she threw the microphone. A microphone at the person that threw a bottle of water at her. And what's interesting is, I'm going to start at, at the very very uh, first thing that's interesting about the topic because again, how de- how deceptive and divisive the media is. When the story first broke on nearly every single social media platform or media platform you can think of, headline read, Cardi B throws microphone at fan. Didn't say uh, Cardi B was assaulted By a fan at a concert. That's what the headline should have read. The headline read: Cardi B assaulted a fan with a microphone. You see how deceptive and divisive the media is, and how they warp it and use it as and weaponize it against our people and our culture. And make no mistake, hip hop is our culture. We started that. We're not in total agreement in how the culture of hip hop came to be. We're not in total agreement of the exact um, date that it got conceived. Um, we're not in exact agreement in how many people who are the originators of the art form, but one thing that we all seem to be in agreement about is that it belongs to us, our people. Like we originated, it's like universal across the board. We had a whole lot of people that contributed to it, but the main, like, you know, the mainstays of the culture our original people and the point I want to make about that is how the media always tries to vilify a rapper, always try to vilify, um, you know, an R&B singer or vilify a, a black actor or a black actress or a comedian of the hip hop genre or the hip hop culture, excuse me. Well I guess it is kind of a genre and a culture. I guess I guess it's kind of both, but it's just interesting to me. They get targeted all the time and get it get painted out to be the aggressor. Um some so some more complex complexity surrounding that issue is that it's seeming that it's happening, you know, all over the world, everywhere. You know, there's a a hip hop concert, there's somebody in the crowd assaulting an artist. Why are they doing this? Well, like I've said many, many times over, um, they're doing it because we're now living in the clout-chasing era. Like, people are getting online, literally for clout, they're saying and doing anything to get 15 minutes of fame. And so rest assured, this guy... This random unknown guy that threw this bottle and assaulted Cardi B, he assaulted her. But he's going to get his 15 minutes of fame because the world's going to want to know what was going through his mind, why'd he do it. So he's going to get his chance to tell his side of the story. And his side of the story is going to come with um, incentives. They want to give him, you know, he's going to get to go on talk shows. He might get a tell-all book about it. He might get a reality television uh, show about it, or at the very least, um, a YouTube channel to, you know, have his own uh, podcast or, you know, some random... Uh, sketch comedy type like show, you know, his misadventures. But he's going to get an opportunity in all of this is what I'm saying. And, you know, that's what society is doing. They're rewarding buffoonish behavior. They're rewarding people to get online and act like jackasses. They're giving people money to irritate and annoy people and to flood the airwaves with ignorant foolishness. They don't make no sense. And it's especially kind of centered around the culture of hip-hop. Um. so yeah there's no doubt in my mind that like when you're peeling back the onion layers, probably the powers that be who's ever like gatekeeping in the industry put him up to do it because there's too many stories about people like that guy showing up at hip hop concerts showing up at uh, comedy shows to the hottest people, to the hottest comedians, to the uh, uh, hottest hip-hop recording artists showing up to their concerts, to their um, live events, and assaulting them. This is basically the powers that be, their attempt to create headlines, to create news. Why would they go to the, that extremes to create news, to create headlines? Because they want to keep us distracted, because while everybody's sitting up here on the um, internet talking about this little debacle, this teeny tiny debacle, something big is happening in the world. Something is happening with our food. Something uh, happening happening with our our finance and the financial district that we all need to be paying attention to. some type of policy or legislation that's being passed right now that we need to be, uh, you know, paying attention to, to try to, you know, keep it from being passed, that it end up hurting all of us in the long run as a people. But, you know, stuff like that's happening. And that's a shame, too, that she got hit with some water, and I'm kind of upset by, by buy that one because she you know she was looking quite nice on the stage she didn't have any like um everything was covered up she didn't have nothing hanging out her breasts weren't exposed her butt wasn't exposed she wasn't twerking before she got um you know struck with that uh object it seemed like it was going to be a, a decent show you know, I think she's coming full circle as a mother, you know, taking time with her image to, you know, be more age appropriate, to be more um mature. But then the ultra rare moment like that comes along and you got to, she had to get outside of her body. You know what I'm saying? Like she's been making really shy, real, uh. Conscientious strides to be more subdued as opposed to how she came in the industry. She came in the industry a stripper and a former escort. But then she's elevated, she's married, she's a mother now, she's um, doing, you know, children's programming. And then some random jackass comes along and destroys all that in one foul swoop. Because now the image of her we got in our minds for people that don't, you know, it's not upon her music, they don't know her as a person. They're like, oh, this broad can't control her emotions. This is what hip-hop is. They sit up there and they cuss and, you know, you know what I'm saying, and they act like that. But one thing we got to realize that, these people that are entertaining us, they're entertainers, but they're people too. They're people just like me and people just like you. Like, you know, we all have our own emotional triggers. So when somebody crosses the line with you, when you have enough, you're going to react in a certain way. So why would you think a person on television wouldn't react the same way you would react? Like, we literally all put our pants on one leg at a time. The the same thing that irritates me as a person probably irritates that person as a person. Like, everybody got their limits. Everybody, you know, got their different emotional triggers. And so you got to be respectful and mindful of that and treat people how you would want people to treat you. Because, yeah, their, their purpose is to entertain you, but, you know, don't get carried away with that. They're still people. They're not just like, oh, I paid my money to see you. I own you. I can do whatever I want to to you. I can say whatever I want to to you. That's not what that is. That's for you to watch them doing whatever it is you left your house for to see them do, whether it's dance whether it's sing, whether it's playing instruments, an instrument or a tell a joke or whatever it is, whatever event that you left your home for to go see them do, you know, sit in your seat or stand up and just watch them like you got some sense. Don't try to rush the stage. Don't try to, you know, still you know try to incorporate yourself into the show somehow that's not the opportunity that's not the, the correct time to do that <laughs> like again because you know the uh, powers that be have incentivized foolishness you know they're creating like nuts they're creating lunatics now And then, have you noticed, it's always like an agenda too, like the guy that rushed the stage with Dave Chappelle. He was homeless. And then he was of the LMNOP community. And we already say why we don't say the real letters of the word. That's, you know, when we say the P community, that's, you know, the cold word. <laughs> before it triggers something or someone, so yeah, L-O-M-N-O-P is safe. So, you know, if they're in the L-O-M-N-O-P community, you automatically can't do or say nothing to them because you will get canceled. (laughs) But that was weird. That was very strange because... You know, that, that situation was super fishy, like, okay, he's homeless, don't he got his um, priorities mixed up? Why would you take your, you know, when you finally scrounge up some money, why would you go see a comedy show when you could be getting some food or some lodging if you're homeless? You know what I'm saying? People don't think like that. Don't, they don't use common sense, common logic like, hmm, something's fishy. Something's not right here. So a homeless guy, he finally gets some some money and he goes running, running to see Dave Chappelle. And that's not weird. Like if you're homeless, you know, the first thing if you get some money would be like to get a hotel room to get you some pla- place to uh, chill for a little bit. Cause Dave Chappelle's tickets is like taxing, they ain't cheap. So if you got a couple hundred dollars, he can get you a hotel. another factor I think that plays into this um, is the pandemic itself because during the pandemic you had a whole lot of people who were who were or are people that have mental health issues and during that time that we was in quarantine like a whole lot of stuff was uh, closed to the public and amongst the things that were closed to the public was, you know, therapy, there was one, you know, before the pandemic, there was like um, getting psychiatric counseling, and then there was all medicine, so they couldn't get the counseling, they couldn't get medicine, and now everything's opening back up, and you think just everything's going to go to normal again, because it's you know, open back up again, even though people aren't pushing mask policy, people are still walking around wearing face masks. Some people are still, uh, as hot as it is in summertime, there's still people walking around in shisees. So there's some uh, mental health aspect of it too. Because, like, think about it, like, you know, you know somebody incarcerated. They might have been incarcerated for like six, seven months or a year or longer or five, ten years they come home. And what what's it like when they first come home after being incarcerated for a little bit? They still acting like they're incarcerated, still walking around doing stuff that they was doing in their cell, like making disgusting um, slots, <laughs> food, bricks. Coming home making little, uh, you know, beverages, jailhouse beverages and uh, jailhouse food. Walking around in their flip flops. Doing their laundry, you know what I'm saying? In a bucket. Making in, <laughs> putting air in them out. Like, stuff like that is, like, yeah. So there's still people that had mental health issues. They're still, like, that, you know, focusing in on that time where we couldn't go anywhere. They're still not back into, like, quote, unquote, normal state. Because all that time that they couldn't get their medication and couldn't go get therapy, they were sitting up in the house, their mental health issues getting increasingly worse, you know, their chemical imbalance is all the way off, because they hadn't had their medication, and now suddenly everything's open and quote-unquote normal again, and what, we think they're supposed to go back to normal again and be allowed to walk around and go to uh, concerts and, you know what I'm saying? Restaurants or whatever, in social settings with people, and like mental health is like real weird. You can't just look at somebody and tell if they got a mental health issue or not. In some cases, in some cases, it's, it's, it's apparent if they got a mental health issue, you know, their body language and mannerisms, but most people, you can't just look at most people and tell something ain't right with them. You won't know until it actually happens. But yeah, so I think my final final thing I want to say is like, it sounds like, you know, some severe mental health issues. Going on behind that, you know, Cardi B incident. So I think it was a mental health type issue at play, too. It was a lot of issues at play. I think most of it was clout propagated by the powers that be, because it's too coincidental that he was like damn near in the front of the uh, audience. That she made eye contact with the guy, that she was close enough, she was close enough to like look at him in the eye, seeing where it was coming from, you know what I mean? So he wasn't like way, way in the back in the nosebleed section to hit her. He was like up to almost where he could like grab her or something. Well, like I said, I got a whole couple more things to, like, tack on to that. Um, it also seems to be a, cer- a resurgence of, I mean, not a resurgence, but a, like a explosion of, you know, thought-like behavior in our women lately. And I don't know if it's because it's summertime and it's like, quote, unquote, hot girl summer. But we seeing a whole lot of unladylike behavior online at these events. At these hip-hop events, like our, pe- our, our women, our ladies is sitting up there, Getting up on stage, dropping it low to the floor when the beat goes on, and just looking kind of horrible. Most of them don't even be having like drawers on, sitting up there like all the way to the floor, not just dropping it low to the floor, like literally mopping the floor with (laughs) it. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you know how that, like, globally makes us look? Now, there's a difference with having fun and then being made fun of. And this is feeling like we're being made fun of. This image that keeps on getting um, recycled and forced down our neck, forced down our throat about our women. Like they ain't got no self control. Like they just lose their whole, you know, faculties when they hear a hip hop beat come on, they got to get up and drop it low to the floor and gyrate and show like um, everything. They got to bend over, poke it out, make it pop. And this ain't just like a hip-hop shows. This is like comedy shows. This is like just events. Like mixtures. Like festivals with children in the crowd. Like anywhere there's a dance. Like a little area where you can dance. A stage. Like if you see a stage, they hopping up on the stage and are hey. hey, hey. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a whole like like it's an explosion of that happening all over the nation right now. A definite misrepresentation. And again, they attach that negative image to the culture of hip hop and try to attribute that to hip hop music. Well, it's in the music. His hip-hop music that's ejectifying. They call it women really nappy-head hoes, And it's just like, when is it going to stop? And again, I'm not like a moral judge and acting like I'm holier than thou. And I'm not opposed to women freely expressing themselves, having a good time. But it's like, where's where's the cutoff? Where's the chill button? And I know it's like acceptable in some cultures. Some cultures, like when you go to places like Brazil and the Bahamas and you know uh like Belize and 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 um you know Ecuador these like uh central america you know places you know spanish speaking nations like uh Colombia Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico, like it's like it's normal over there. But we ain't there, we here. And it needs to be a chill. It needs to be like, okay, there's children out here, there's young, impressionable ladies. There's young impressionable men, yeah, they're young and impressionable, but we got to stop that, too, making our youth, like, putting that stigma over our young men, like, you know, pushing them out before they're ready to, like, oh, you better start liking girls. Like, if they're childish... At 12 or 13, let them be childish at 12 or 13. If they're into, like, I think uh, the young people is into, like, anime and collecting cards and stuff now, our children. If they're into that world, let them be in that world for a little bit. Don't be pushing them out, talking about you need a girlfriend, you need a boyfriend, stop being weird. Let them be weird for a little bit. That's just crazy, and like I said, everything has needs a context behind it. Like, what are you saying with your nudity? What's the context behind you getting naked? Like, it makes sense if you're a stripper. It makes sense. Your nudity makes sense if you're a stripper. If that's what you do for a living, you strip. You go to you go to strip clubs. You go to nightclubs. You go, eh, hey, get on the table and get your tip money because you're a stripper. It makes sense. It makes sense if you're an escort. <laughs> if you're a back page escort, then it makes sense. Like, hey, that's your business card. Your nudity is your business card. You getting clients. You soliciting clients. It makes sense. makes sense if your IG model or Twitter or wherever they're camming at, whatever mediums that they're camming on, then that makes sense. It don't make sense if you work a nine-to-five job, 40 hours a week, either uh, in corporate America or uh, uh, just... At the um, general labor le- level, to get you, get a few drinks in you, and decide to you know jump on top of a uh, a bar, jump on top of the wet bar, jump on top of a table, jump on top of a, uh, a stranger's uh, a random stranger's car on the hood of their car. And dropping it low to the floor and mopping up, you know, that don't make sense. And I think a lot of it is, unfortunately, the music. The 808 beat, that one beat. That one beat that triggers something in the subcon- in the subconscious that releases some type of chemical in the brain that causes them gyrations, and then culturally, you know. Caucasian women do it too. With the double standards, they got the, I call it the white girl wiggle. Because <laughs> you know when they get a couple sips in them, they woo. And then like they lift their little top up. They do that little wiggle, they go woo. When they get a couple shots in them, now, what's the difference between them and our women is their women don't get um, scrutinized for it. It's just like, oh, no big deal. She had a couple of sips. She likes to party. She's a party girl, you know. No big deal. When our women do it, they're sluts and they're whores and they're all these negative things. And not saying we should condone either behavior, no matter, you know, what color you are. You're a woman first and foremost before you get anything. When you leave that house, you're representing your parents, you're representing your children if you have children. You think they want to look back and uh, see, you know, their mama drop it low to the floor? If they're in middle school or high school, It's just like I can really keep going with that, but that that was just really kind of you know heavy on my mind because it's just like you know I'm gonna put a pin in it right here with my commentary. And the basic thing I want to just touch on was, you know, we're living now in a society where where we're rewarding buffoonish behavior. Buffoonish behavior is getting incentivized. It's getting televised, it's getting pushed to the forefront, and everybody needs to take a stand against that. This is where, you know, the disconnect is happening in the culture. This is, you know, why articism isn't at the peak now, because you don't need to be talented anymore. You just need to be, you know, all right with being a buffoon, a complete jackass you know, you don't have to uh, practice your instrument you don't have to practice your jokes anymore you don't have to practice your uh, raps you just gotta have like uh, something gimmicky something dumb you have to like look like an idiot and then they'll you know, you'll skyrocket and go viral. You'll go on every single talk show talking about your antics. They give you your own reality television show. They give you your own podcast. Being stupid. Showing your breast sisters. Showing your cookie. Yeah, you definitely get a reality show for that. And then in the contract, all you got to get in two or three fights per episode with other girls. Two or three episodes, y'all got to just, for no apparent reason, just start twerking. No apparent reason, just start hooking up on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is like we're really going downhill as a society. There's, we have no. We have no filter anymore, just like anything's going. Any type of lewd, unscrupulous behavior is getting rewarded. There used to be a time on TV where like a woman would say, a man would say, whisper, like you would see a sitcom and a guy would whisper something disgusting in the woman's ear. And then she would haul off to smack them. And that would be the end of the scene now on sitcoms. A guy whispered something dirty in a woman's ear. They walk off, off camera and go into the bedroom. So just wrapping it up, just putting it back into perspective, I do believe um, it's a woman's choice to do whatever she wants with her body. I do believe, you know, as far as the nudity thing, a proper context, if the context is proper for the nudity and it's in the proper setting, but if it's not in the proper setting, and it's just crammed and forced down our throat, and that's not okay. That's what I'm saying. I'm not holier than thou. I don't think, you know, I'm a heterosexual man. If I seem like any other guy, I'm going to look. You know what I'm saying? That's just the nature of man. I'm going like, to if nothing but for three seconds. I'm going to try my very best to avert my gaze. But, you know what I'm saying, like, it's just becoming increasingly more difficult to do that. And then the ones that's doing it got the audacity to, like, demand respect. And, like, how dare you? How dare you look at me when I'm just putting it all up in your face? And then another parameter I believe in, like if it's, you know, if it's for a specific person, then that's not nobody's business if, you know, they're online, they're direct instant messaging each other. She puts it in the inbox. Um, You put it in the inbox. You know, at that point, it's, uh, you know, it's whatever. At that point, you know, it's two consensual adults. If it happens in the DM, it, it ain't nobody's business. It's between them two people. If she feels like they done got to the stage where she wants to show somebody, where she wants to show that person that she's talking to her goodies, then whose business is it? Now, as a man, he shouldn't be so immature that he shows everybody else what she showed him, but you know, in the perfect word, world, he wouldn't, if he's any type of a man. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, well, I guess I got to put a pin in it and, um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, I thought I had some time to go over my normal um, podcast format with you guys, but uh looks I'm about, about out of time. i got to wrap it up. Um, join me this weekend for a full episode of the Narrative Podcast. Thanks for listening. Good evening. I'm sending you Projecting Love, Light, Healing, Energy, to everyone, um, I'm Halsey Allen signing off. Um, I'm changing the narrative one episode at a time, and I'm in- trying to encourage you to change the narrative one social media at a post, one social media post at a time. Narrative podcast, Halsey Allen signing off. Uh, join me this weekend for another full episode of the Narrative Podcast. Halsey Allen, Narrative Podcast signing off. In this life, that. I'm making On make it I'm making On um, 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 i make it I'm